Welcome back to Game Day Tarts Podcast, episode 21. We have a packed, packed episode today. So much news has happened, but let's just start off with how are you doing, boys? Pretty good, man. Doing pretty good, Riley. Awesome, awesome. Um, I'm wearing this today. Not a fan, but Jim Harbaugh's back in the league. That's a positive thing, as long as he's not cheating, potentially, like he was at uh, Michigan. But I'm <laughs> pumped to see him back in the league. Hopefully, maybe we'll get another Harbaugh Bowl. And it could be some interesting times with see if he can make Justin Herbert and the uh, Chargers an actual threat rather than just kind of an excitement sideshow for the first half of the year, and then they suck. Yeah, you definitely don't want another. But yeah, because he brought San Francisco to the finals once, and then was that the end of his career? Was that Super Bowl? I think he went a couple more years after that, but yeah, losing to his brother basically derailed him, made him run away to college. At least he won it in college. True. <laughs> Got his confidence back to come back, try and beat his brother. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely good for uh, the Chargers, I think. Try to make uh, Herbert great again, you know? I think it was better than Bill Belichick because he's shown he's not so good with a more, like, new-age quarterback. Well, it's... Even uh, the Falcons, I think, who were one of the teams pursuing Belichick, decided to not go the Belichick route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so know. he'll he'll be looking for a new project himself. True. All right, let's get into this, because there's a lot going on in the hockey world in the last week. It has been absolute insanity. But we'll start off with some sad news, hopefully something that will turn out positive. I just read this today. But from uh, Baycomo Dracar, defenseman Emil Schwinard has been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So hopefully um, we can hear some positive news on him in the next year or so that he's in remission or whatever, that he beats us like most hockey players have. And we end up with a good result on his end. Best wishes. All right. We now have, um, you know, Bob McKenzie's pretty much in retirement, but he still does his draft rankings and his draft list. So we have Bob McKenzie's top 10. He has Macklin Celebrini, number one, Anton Saleyev, number two, Anton Levshunov, number three, Cole Eiserman, four, Caden Lindstrom makes his debut in the top five, Ivan Demidov, number six, Sam Dickinson, number seven, Consta um, Hellenius, number eight, Zane Perrick, Number nine, making his debut in the top 10, and Berkeley Catton, number 10. What do you guys think about that top 10? And I, I have something on Perrick in a sec because it's crazy. I think it's a pretty solid top 10. Yeah, I don't really have any arguments with his uh, top 10. Yeah, so I read today Zane Perrick graduated high school at 15 years old and started going to Toronto University at the age of 15 years old. Hmm. <laughs> Like, yeah. he's just wicked smart, this kid, apparently. Here he is, top 10 in the NHL draft. Like, he's like he's 18, so he's like he's like a junior in university right now. It's just good for him. Like, what an absolute wild stat. The, uh, for the CHL, I know they have, uh, or the WHL anyways, I've noticed the Scholastic, 
award. Is that CHL or is it just WHL? It's CH, so you can win CHL Scholastic Player of the Award, but you can also win like QMJHL, OHL, and WHL Scholastic he, Player. He should just he automatically get it. True, but I don't. They, they also do uh, Player of the Week too. Yeah, it is like hollow. It's it's high school, like so maybe he doesn't even qualify because he's so far ahead of them. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe, each, I mean, he deserves it. You're right. But each league know, does their own high school. Each league does their own Scholastic Player of the Week uh, nominee, too, as well. Just like you would have, like, your normal Player of the Week for performance, they also do Scholastic Player of the Week for, you know, performance in the classroom. Well, if but, he's uh, already graduated, how do you give him Scholastic Player of the Week? Well, maybe not the graduated players, the ones that are still going through school, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. That's so tough, though, because it's like, how do you win Scholastic Player of the Week? Like, say you're on the Blazers, and then you go on, like, a 17-day road trip to Saskatchewan and back. Like, you're not winning Scholastic Player of the Week any of those days. Well, I'm I'm sure they do, like, a lot of their tutoring on the road, though, wouldn't they not? Yeah, they do, but still, it's it's got there has to be some kind of attendance in there as well. And you're not attending school for two, three weeks, just doing it on the bus. Okay, we have the biggest hockey news since 2022, uh, the 2018 World Junior Team Canada Championships. Now, we are definitely, I just want to prefix this by saying we are not um, blaming. We are not saying that the puzzle pieces are what they say they are, but we are just going to discuss the facts of what has happened the players who are involved and uh, we will let people kind of speculate from there. But as far as it looks like um, five players have been said to be uh, asked to turn themselves into London PD, five players from that team have taken leaves of absence and no one else has. That is Dylan Dube of the Calgary Flames, Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers from the New Jersey Devils, both Cal Foot and uh, Michael McLeod, and from the Swiss League, Alex Formanton. So uh, Formanton was not signed because I think teams knew that this was happening. He's clearly an NHL player, but um, I think that they knew that this news was coming for him. He's the only one that we've seen that didn't make a statement, didn't acknowledge this, didn't do anything. So he clearly is saying that, you know, he was involved somehow. Unfortunately, it seems that way. But... Yeah, so we we're gonna we're gonna have to wait a little bit more. Uh, they say February fifth, the Monday is gonna be their big press conference from the London Police Department on all of this. But with the way that it's looking, with no more merchandise, like uh, Flyers fans had their home game, they no Carter Hart jerseys available in the store. So it's not looking promising. It, like again, we we can't accuse because you're proven or you're. You're innocent until proven guilty, but as of right now, everything is pointing in the direction that these five guys are in a lot of trouble, and it's not looking so good on their end. But what are your guys' thoughts on this happening this week? Just bang, bang. Well, I know Calgary's actually under a lot of uh, scrutiny for releasing Dubé's statement as a leave to um, search for mental health, or mental help, sorry. And the rest were leaves of absence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw not only to, 
Go ahead, Doug. Not only to mention that we're lo- we're on the outside looking in on the situation, like people were saying like unnamed players, but then you make your own speculations because obviously we just said the players who were given leaves of absences, like we all know who they are, but you also have to look at it as an internal affair. Like the hush money that was being paid out by the, you know, the, the top of the pyramid here at, for hockey Canada, the hush money, they're calling it like, yeah, last year, the board of governors for hockey Canada all stepped down, but it's like, that's not enough. Like they should be charged too of keeping this under wraps. Like this is a very serious matter and to be being paying off the victim for with hush money, so-and-so. And I think they should be charged too. Like that is, this is a huge, huge situation covering Wait. some of us covering something like this up. That's bad. That's horrible. Well, it's bribery. First off it is. And second off, like, um, even though there was no police investigation, but technically it was interfering with a police investigation. By not mm-hmm. reporting it, you're interfering, right? So, like, London me, police had to reopen up. the case. Exactly. But now this is real. I saw more heat on the 2003 team as well, that they're ramping up more about the 2003 team potential sexual assault victims that they were talking about. So now that team could have. Now, again, the only guy left in the league from that team, I think, is Corey Perry. Maybe Marc Andre Fleury. Marc Andre Fleury was a part of that so too. Yeah, we're looking at two or three guys, so it doesn't have serious ramifications in terms of career, like it did for these young guys. But it it could have criminal incrimination if if it does come down to it. Well, and it's like I don't understand why Hockey Canada would get so butthurt about the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League cutting their registration fees being sent back to Hockey Canada when in turn Hockey Canada was using that registration money from everybody to cover up and pay off the victims of this sexual yeah. assault. Like this that's not how you do business. That is not how you do hockey. And Hockey Canada has just made it an absolute mockery and a, a disgustful taste on their reputation as a governing body. Like Hockey Canada should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for what they've been doing. Well, it looks bad on uh, Hockey Canada, and it looks bad on the country of Canada as a whole. Because I know, let's say the same thing was with the states or even any other country for that matter. You know how hard, like we as a country, would probably be harping down on this. Like this needs to be figured out, blah blah blah, and so and so, and like, and then now what's happening to Canada? And now being revealed, so it's it's disgusting. It's embarrassing. Imagine if if this happened in Canada, but it was Team Russia. Like if this girl went to a Team Russia room, and it was eight Russian players. Like what would Hockey Canada and what would the Prime Minister and what like what would the call to arms have been like to get those players arrested? Right, just because they were from another country. Instead, they. They hushed it right up and protected it from like the prime minister, as far as I know, never even knew because it was just completely shoved under the rug. And they were hoping it would stay shoved under the rug, unfortunately. Yeah, I think uh, the information I heard, I mean, again, take it with a grain of salt, is the victim was offered $400,000 to keep quiet and then mm-hmm. ended up going to the cops regardless. Yeah. Yeah, so. I heard something in in that ballpark as well, if that is the true story. Hopefully that's true, but 
again, we're just reverberating what we've heard. And I mean, at this point, like, good. Let let the world know that, you know, this is happening. Justice is coming. Exactly. So then you go back to the 03 team where this apparently happened. And now we also have someone who was right in that age group again. Mike Ribeiro facing up to 20 years for sexual assault of three women. So it's like, how often does this happen that it doesn't go talked about? All of a sudden, this is just like two Team Canada teams. Now another decorated Canadian player. How far is this going to spiral? How many women are going to start coming out and being like, yep, this time in this city, these guys, like, is it just going to start piling? Like, once this girl makes money off this trial with the Team Canada World Juniors and these three women win this trial versus Ribeiro, if they do, like, if they win these trials and there's millions of dollars paid out, just watch how many people are going to step forward and start Well, think it. of the Chicago Blackhawks scandals going on, like... Yep. With Kyle Beach, even. It's... But, you know, it's just people. more people should be coming forward justice will be getting served and it's a good thing like you know can we say we're sorry for those involved the players no because you know what you did and now your time is coming so you know all the best wishes to the victim hopefully they have have closure on this come you know the next update from the london police so i think the most damning thing even though it's not an excuse whatsoever is it seems like there was absolutely zero alcohol involved in the 2018 world junior team too like this was full cognizant men making a decision on a woman in a vulnerable position and taking advantage of it like it It was a group sexual assault yeah it doesn't get any more cut and dry than that for the police they were like oh you guys were totally aware of you what you were doing and like what do you do the girl was allegedly drunk right like um we heard that the girl was allegedly drunk and there's some videos or something about her being intoxicated. But again, it's hearsay. We don't know yet. Nothing's been officially recognized, but again, that there's a drunk girl and probably eight to five, five to eight sober guys taking advantage of her. It's like, I remember hearing a report there were eight and now it's got numbered down to five. Well, it, it, it probably has something to do with it probably has something to do with, like, maybe who was there, but who was also actually doing the actions, you know? Yeah. There could have been yeah. three guys kind of off to the side being, like, just, you know, just watching and going down, which, I mean, is still kind of sick and kind of disturbing because yeah. you, you could have like, been, yeah. We talked about off camera, like, you try being in a peer pressure room, right? If If you're one of the guys who didn't know this was going on and then this girl shows up and all of a sudden the shit starts going down and you're just like whoa like what is going on here and you and two other guys are like i don't know and then they're not allegedly they weren't letting the girl leave so obviously the boys are like yo man like no one's allowed to leave right now but i'm not touching her like so she probably said hey there was eight boys in the room but boy abc didn't actually engage in the conduct they weren't forceful they weren't harmful they were just kind of like honestly like what the hell is going on in the corner but five engaged in this you're still sorry you're still an accessory though like one of one of them doesn't matter if you're like doing the action right you should still have brought it up no matter what it's either 
you get repercussions from your teammates or you get repercussions from the authorities like this is some serious stuff and you just don't hide it like that like this is someone's life we're talking about that can be damaging you, you know like this should have just they, been brought up they have agents agents are connected to lawyers and they bring it up saying hey like this went down like i don't know like yes i was there their agent says okay let me talk to a lawyer about this and the lawyer says hey honestly you open your mouth on them this could kill your career too and it's like you have to pick you open your mouth or you let it slide and i'm assuming they all were like i want to play in the nhl what a dirty crossroads that is holy hell that's the way the justice system is you don't open your mouth right you don't if you don't confess then you're not guaranteed guilty it's the second you say hey i was here and this happened you automatically put yourself straight in the crossfire. So I think that they just all had a little brotherly blood pact going on and keep your mouth shut, I'll keep mine shut type deal. Yeah, it's it's definitely also a locker room thing too, I think. Oh, for sure. You know, you don't want to cause any heat between you and the boys on the on the team. So still, still an unfortunate situation to be put in. Well, like our, yeah. our boss, our boss said there the other day, who was a Camus Blazer, so he played in the WHL. He was like, "Those idiots know that they could have went home and had any girl in the town that they play in and been just fine, but nope, they had to do this stupid thing to this one girl for yeah. no reason." Like, and he's not wrong. Like, it's well known. Like, puck bunnies are alive and well in junior <laughs> hockey. There are girls that will do whatever. And there are older women that will do whatever, and and why 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 share the same one? You know, like go find yeah. your own boys. Like that's not that hard. And then yeah, there's also like consensual and non-consensual. So yeah, like you guys just won the gold medal. There would be hundreds of girls waiting in London. It's London, well, hey, Ontario. Well, hey, like, look at look at Nathan no, McKinnon in Ontario. Look at no. Nathan McKinnon the other night, boys. He got a hat trick and literally bras and panties were thrown onto the ice. For one yeah. guy. Hundreds of women did that for one guy. You know what? I do want... Actually, I forgot. I wanted to talk about that, though. Because the continued, like, double standard. Like, yes, what these guys did was terrible. But then they said, like, this, the same day that this whole speculation was going down, and a woman was abused and they finally found five guys and they're accusing them. Women are then throwing their bras and underwear on the ice in a hockey rink at a superstar who played for a team Canada world junior team, obviously not the one in question, but a team Canada. like what a bad look for women to do that when all that's going on. Right. Now. You want, you, you want to feel you want to feel sorry for a victim, but yet women heavily put like throw themselves out there. Like it's, what do you do, man? It's almost like guys are kind of like at the same time, guys are almost the victim. Like, what do you do? I want to add to that thought though, too. Like I remember there were some discussions off camera about how like the, the headlines of this topic were so big here in Canada but however, maybe down south in the States, like it, it hasn't really reached them quite yet. So maybe like yep. those fans didn't really quite hear the headlines yet. And another it's fact true. too on that topic, the whole Utah expansion 
that we're going to get into. Like maybe the owner of the Utah Jazz that brought up literally him wanting an NHL team almost coincided with the same time as this news dropped about these five unnamed players that are now named with Team Canada scandal. Like people were going haywire saying like, oh, this is just a distraction. It's like, well, you know what? Maybe the guy wasn't living on his phone in another country and the news didn't quite drop to him just yet. So maybe it's a coincidence that the two big headlines kind of coincided with each other at the same time. So you can't you can't say it's a distraction and they didn't quite get the news just yet. So that's all I want to say about that. Yeah, like I'll, I mean, I, I totally agree. Like there's there's no guarantee that the people who threw stuff on the ice at McKinnon knew maybe even anything about this news. Like, I don't want to say that women don't know what's going on, but there's there's a, not always a guarantee that they... Oh, buddy, McKin- McKinnon knew what was going on, buddy. His no, teammate was on that team. The women. Like, the women oh. that threw their stuff. Like, so, like, maybe the women didn't know. They haven't been keeping up with every hockey news, right? They're just Avalanche fans, say, but they don't... They're not diehard hockey fans, so they don't know what's going on in the World Junior thing. So they're, you know, they're just... They think that they're having fun or whatever, which is fine, but it's like, it was so poorly timed. And it was like, it was, you know, guys like uh, uh, Biz Nasty, uh, Paul Bissonnette, like they were cheering it on, right? Like he's got that dog in him. Women are literally throwing themselves at him. And I was like, like, I love Biz. There's no like Spit and Chicklets, the best podcast out there for hockey. There's no doubt about it. But I was like, got to read the room here, Biz. Like, I know you're a hype man of all hype men, but like, that's tough. You know, There's a time and a place, day. and that was not poor, that was not great timing. McKinnon's well, response was great, saying it was inappropriate. Like, well, and you, and you know what? From him. And you know what? What if, what if the PWHL got intense and guys started throwing their clothes on the ice for some of these women? You know what would happen? Thrown out. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It would be a total. And I bet all the women and... would be like, "Oh, this is disgusting." Like, yeah. But hey, you're a guy hockey player, and you're supposed to just accept it it's supposed to be exciting like right what if mckinnon had a wife a wife and kids that saw that like yeah you know it's so disrespectful but he he has a mom well yeah that too he he has a mom and women are like throw and obviously i think like let's be real nathan mckinnon is one of the best guys in national hockey league he idols himself after crosby one of the best guys in the hockey league national hockey league so I don't think Nathan McKinnon's just out there sleeping with every bimbo on the street. But at the same time, it's like a tough look when a star player is getting stuff thrown on the ice like that. Like it just creates a, a narrative that doesn't need to be there for him. Well, and then you know who's forced to clean it up? Ice girls. Yeah. Like think how bad that's got to feel too. Well, the one was smiling that was holding the bra on the one photo. She thought it was hilarious. But again, like, it's just like we're we're missing something here. Something is missing in this picture of everything that's going on. It's still, you can be as mad as you want about all the stuff that's going on, but then it's still praised when something sexualized happens in hockey. Yeah. Like, good point. Um, I think I think that's enough for us on that. I think we covered it great. I think we did a good job, boys, on that and keeping it pretty respectful for all involved. But uh, I do want to jump to what you said, Dally, about the Delta Center thing. And I just want to say, like, first off, it's business we're talking about here. Like, this is a business owner promoting his business. Second off, the World Juniors thing is a Hockey Canada. It, it has nothing to do with the NHL. Are the players in the NHL? Yes, four of them were. 
but it was not the NHL who's being punished in this moment. So there's no reason why someone can't come out and say, hey, we want to be in the NHL. And the um, the release was directly from um, Smith Entertainment Group, who's the owner of the Utah Jazz. It was not the NHL saying, hey, this guy made a bid. It was these guys saying, we have reached out to the NHL to start the expansion process with a whole full letter breaking down what they want, all that. It was nothing from the NHL side that started it. It was guys and like third Elliot parties Friedman brought it out. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah, like, third like parties. Great, great reporters like Elliot Friedman brought it up because Elliot Friedman, smartly, was keeping his nose out of the whole Hockey Canada thing because he didn't know what the heck to say because he doesn't want, you know, he's a media personnel, one of the smartest media personnel who knows when to play his cards and when to hold them and wait for things to happen. So it was great to Love see Elliot, him. He, Elliot he report, Friedman. Yeah, he reported on something that mattered, which is NHL news. And I yeah. think it was great. I think he had covered it well. And I think this is exciting. Like, yeah, they, they reported it. But, at this, like, they have press releases. He's he's a billionaire. He has a press release in his company built in for this time on this day. It's going to be released. Like, he probably had it a week ago set up. Just had to finalize a few things. Like, there's no way he absolutely meant for this to happen right when this whole police scandal happened with London. Like, there's no way. Well, I mean, even if it was time to be a distraction, at the same time, I feel like the whole Hockey Canada thing, like, it shouldn't have that much attention until a verdict has been made. You don't want to mm-hmm. tarnish their reputation. It, who knows, right? It could have been consensual and the girl's trying to get money. Not yep. saying that's true, but why why put so much attention on these these fucking, sorry, young kids for something that hasn't reached a verdict yet. Why not bring it into something that as a hockey fan should excite you seeing another team join mm-hmm. the league, you know, I want, I, get your- I want to jump in on that comment too. So I have seen some comments that the excitement of having a 33rd team personally, I'd love it. I think Salt Lake city would be a great destination for a hockey market. I'm all for it. I also seen a lot of comments saying like, oh, the NHL is too watered down. Oh, there'd be too many teams. And it's like, well, there's two routes they could take here. One, they could get the 33rd expansion in there. Or secondly, they could get the Arizona Coyotes to move there because they have given an extended deadline on getting that arena built in North Phoenix. So I'm thinking if they don't get it built in time, that's probably what's going to happen is Arizona is going to move to Salt Lake City. Yeah, I have actually I have a little bit to add on that. So this is this is a statement from um one I oh no, this one was just a note. And then I have a statement from Marty Walsh and from Elliot Friedman. So the first note is regarding Utah's expansion request in NHL, the league would need to go through a process with the Board of Governors, which is not something that's happened yet. So we'll see where it goes as far as the next steps with the league and its owners. Then Marty Walsh, who is the NHL PA uh, he runs the NHLPA. He said they were talking about, oh, we're going to find a new place pretty quickly. This is Arizona. The year has gone by and they haven't found anything, at least to my knowledge. So the clock is ticking on Arizona, in my opinion. And then Elliot Friedman said, regarding Salt Lake City, to me, that's a message to the Coyotes. The NHL has basically said they need to know about Arizona by the All Star break. Well, we're a week and a half from the All Star break, which now we're only nothing. half a week from the All Star break. So there we go. Like, sounds like a message sent to the Arizona Coyotes. Like you said, they wanted an answer. They wanted them 
to actually go out and find something. Like if you're a billionaire, let's be real. No matter where you are, you can find land to build an arena. Like in those cities, you could, you can buy land. There's no way that the city isn't holding on to a plot that they're not willing to sell. They just had to get someone to say, yes, you can build here. It didn't even need to be in the next like five years. It just had to be a plan that was going to take action and start. But why not take a page out of the NFL's book? Why not take a page of the NFL's book? There are some teams that play with it five miles outside of city limits. You know, yeah. Levi Stadium, you know, for San Fran. They play in San Jose, I'm pretty sure, at Levi Stadium. Like, it's just, you have options, guys. You don't have to play, like, city center in your city. You can go outside of your, you know, your horizon and still label your team name after it, the city. Yeah, I, I personally think Arizona's done this time around. I think there's no coming back. And There's too Salt many Lake chances. Saying, yeah, with Salt Lake saying they want the expansion, and it sucks for people who are actually Arizona Coyote fans, like the deep ones that are really there, and like Austin Matthew who had dreams of maybe playing for the Coyotes one day, like that all sucks. But like they keep saying it's not fair to the owners because where they lose their money, other owners have to put in money to keep them afloat it's an even playing field on the owner's side so the owners are all mad they're like why are we losing money on a team it makes no sense there's quebec city that can be a team they'd sell out every game there's like yeah salt lake there's a team, great right? options there's, there's tons of cities out there that could host teams. they're talking about atlanta again who knows that one's failed twice but you know like you just who knows who knows what it could be but it it's probably going to be better than whatever's going on in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, Arizona, you know, staying or going, I'm, I'm somebody that's all for bringing in more teams. Cause I mean, I just think that's exciting. More guys get the chance to play more opportunities. And I just think a bigger league would be wicked, but you know, yeah, for sure it's, I don't think we're watered but, down at all. This league keeps no. getting better and better. Yeah, no. And I, think I, of I how know. many prospects you pull from each league around the world, right? There's there's plenty of players to go around. Yeah. So I, I don't know where that whole, like, the boringness comes into the play. I think it's more exciting. And, yeah. It's good for business, I think, because you're also bringing in more fans from these states or provinces that, you know, have to drive or fly you know, hours on end to go see an actual NHL game. So now you're kind of more centralizing and kind of expanding the boundaries a little bit more so people can actually come in and watch your games because you complain and night in, night out of, you know, your viewership is the fourth worst in the country for sports viewership, right? This is a good opportunity business-wise to bring in more fans and to expand your horizons, bring in more fans, more revenue, bang. Like, what's the problem with this? You should be getting at least two more expansion teams in there. Quebec City, perfect. They should be getting talked about. N enough with this Atlanta garbage, all right? You failed. You have an AHL and you have an ECHL. Deal with it, all right? You had your NHL think, I, and you failed twice. I think it would be part like the league, to me, a perfect NHL, like gets to 40 teams. 20 East, 20 West. And yes, you're only going to play some teams once a year, but that's fine because you need your divisional matchups for the teams that want to see like the fighting and so right. Because there needs to be some some 
uh, passion and some anger so that you're playing a team constantly enough four to six times a year. But yeah, so say Seattle and Tampa play once. What everyone says, oh, that can't happen. What about the NFL? They have 32 teams and they have, oh, it's what is it like three years? It's now going to be three years that the Steelers and Patriots don't play each other. Well, and they only have like, like what? How many games do they get in a year? Like 16? Yeah, uh, 18. And they're in the same conference. They're in the yeah, AFC. Exactly. So, yeah, there's yeah. some teams that might not even see each other until they make it to the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. they don't play each other in the season. Exactly. And then, and- but at least in the NHL, you might see those guys play each other once or twice in a season. Exactly. Th- think of this one. There's 30 teams in MLB. There's 162 games a year. Some teams don't yeah. even see each other for a couple years on end as well. So what's with the bitching about the NHL getting a few more teams? Like, yeah, it can only be good. It can only be good. It, it, it's only it's only going to go up from here. More teams, more excitement, man. More fans. And then there's different also teams. For- for everyone that says, oh, the same team always ends up in the top 10 draft picks. You get 40 teams in this league and you have teams at the bottom, you're going to have a constant rotation of that first overall pick because it is going to be such a hard league to win in constantly. You're going to have different teams in the playoffs every year. You're just, it's going to be so much turnover. And what could be cool exactly. too is then they, so they could then do the buys, right? So there's going to be, uh, if there's 40 teams, right, so you have um, eight teams on each side for 16 that don't make it, and then you have uh, eight teams that do make it for 16, that's uh, 32, and then I guess you could do one more like a wild card. That leaves four teams behind, and those could be the the division leaders. Each division leader gets to go without having to play the first round of the playoffs. They get to heal, they get to rest, and then boom, you get the next round, and bang, there you go. It could make for some because you could get a President's Trophy winning team that comes out cold versus the you know eighth seed that's hot winning a round like Florida versus Boston, and all of a sudden you have game over. So it'll make I think it'll make for really interesting hockey having something like a bye. But I th- I think they'd have to maybe shorten the first round. But I don't know. We'd see because it's almost it almost takes like a week and a half around. So that's a long time to be off for some teams, but. I don't know. They'd figure it out, and it would be awesome, I think. Or you just have less teams make the playoffs than half, which is fine, too. Yeah. All right. That was not even on our notes, but that was a good talk. Um, cool notes for Sam Gagne. You know, he's been such a veteran NHLer. He's been floating around for a couple of years, but he's the only player in NHL history to be part of multiple 14-game winning streaks. So you have to give that guy props for, you know, just being on teams that end up going on runs and he's contributing obviously. So it's good to see a guy like him can in, in both were in like the latter half of his career, not in the, in his prime. Edmonton did a good job re-signing him. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I know we also bashed, I think I bashed the Perry uh, signing, but you did. yeah, I did. I mean, again, with the way they're going and the streak they're going on, Edmonton, sorry, not the multiple team winning streak, but I mean, he's he's a great guy that Edmonton's probably going to rely on heavily in the playoffs. And they won with him today, so he didn't break their record. He played his first game. 
Yeah, so, I mean, if, I think if Edmonton lost, they would have 100% been like, oh, it's the curse, he got, he yeah. jinxed the team, but no. So, it's cool to see, as much as I hate to see Edmonton winning, it's definitely cool to see a Canadian team doing something like that. Because I think the last time I seen something like that was the dynasty of Chicago with Taves and Kane when they went on their big heater, like, 2011, 12 ago or something, I don't know. Well, this this Man, you game winning streak wasn't long ago with Gagne in Columbus. It was in the yeah. last five years, for sure. But you're right. Like for an actual good team, yeah, Chicago type run. You you would think that the Edmonton Oilers would have done something like this when the you know they were in the Gretzky era, but we're in the McDavid era and they're doing right. This, that that, right? that was like, kind of that was kind of weird to find out too. It's like I definitely was like they should have been able to do something like that in the Gretzky era, but no. So yeah, that's Grant, that's right? wild. SEA, Grant Fuhrer, Paul Coffey, Kevin Lowe. The 80s like, Oilers, how did man. that how did that team not win 20 straight? Like that's crazy. Okay, well, let's keep it in Chicago because they are throwing the money bags yet again. Their third four million dollar two year contract goes to Peter Mrazek. Felino, Dickinson, Mrazek, all two years. Felino 4.5 million. Dickinson and Mrazek, 4.25 million each. And that one is the first one out of the three of them. I have a feeling of why they did the two years, boys, is because after those two-year contracts are up, guess whose contract is also up at the end of that? Connor Bedard's. And I'm sure they're going to want to reevaluate where these players are at and where the team as a whole is at and see where they're going to go from there. It's just weird to sign the players they are to that the term, big bags you know? mm-hmm. like if they want to make bedard happy i don't know if these are the guys you want to be signing the big dollars to though jeremy swayman's jaw hit the ground when he saw that and that his, ar- his arbitration got him three million and then here comes peter Morazic. one of the worst goalies and, in the league and right when now. yeah when was the last time Morazic? Was a relevant goalie, dude. Detroit, maybe, think, if that. No, Carolina. I, I think it was before Detroit. Who Carolina. was he drafted by? Oh, maybe it was Detroit. No, no, no. I think he did go on a nice little streak in Detroit, and then he got traded. And, Are you thinking Nadelkovich? Yeah, no. I'm thinking of Nadelkovich. No, because no, Mrazek was Detroit, too. Right, he was, he was Jimmy Howard's backup. I totally forgot yeah. that. But that I think that was the last time I really seen any relevancy to that guy's name, and all these other teams got him, thinking that he'd be decent. He was he drafted by the Detroit Red Wings in 2010. Yeah, I I think this is partly because they need to stay above the cap floor, and they're saying to these guys, "Hey, we're gonna suck. We need leaders. We need guys to kind of be here through it. Thanks for being here." Enjoy the rest of your career after this, but I mean, you know I what? I I can't say anything. They only held Calgary to one goal tonight, Chicago. Yeah. They have been doing decent. They've been winning and, a lot more games. And beat us the last time we played them, so I mean good on Chicago. In both games, Bedardless. Yep. So and when they beat you guys the first time, it was the first game they played without Bedard. Yeah, and everyone thought they were going to get washed, and they came out and beat you guys. Yeah, and only hold us to one nothing tonight. That's 
It's yeah. crazy. Peter Morazic was a net. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, we got a uh, contract extension here. Owen Tippett signs eight years, six point two million per year, forty nine point six million, and the Flyers cannot use the excuse that Blackhawks do for this contract because this one makes no sense. I know, Dak, you got some stats. Lay them on us here because this is bad. Oh yeah, uh, this is a guy that hasn't even reached fifty points in a season yet within his. Uh... Tenure in the league, so I don't know, like six six mil for that for a guy to be below fifty percent points to game ratio. I think that's a little bit of a steep price. Even even if he starts, you know, like he's gonna have to. For me to think that that contract's worth it, he's gonna need to average like sixty to seventy points a season for the next few seasons. You know, like it's got to be more than next season. The season after that, for me to even heavily consider this guy worth that money. This guy exactly. only has 117 points in his entire career since, I think, 2020. All right? The most he's ever reached in a season was 75, and that was for Mississauga in the OHL. Like, this is way out of left well, field. Like, and the most bags. he's ever reached in an actual NHL season is 49 points. That's horrible. You know what? I need to add this too because we added this is irrelevant. We can talk about both. They just also signed Ryan Paling, two years, one point nine million dollars, so three point eight million total. I just looked him up. Ryan Paling has fourteen points in forty five games this year. Last year he had fourteen points in fifty three games, and then with Montreal he had seventeen points in fifty seven games and two points in twenty seven games, and he's making two million. What? <laughs> What is Philadelphia doing? They're talking about trading guys that don't have value to the team anymore. Travis Sanheim, Travis Konechny, right? Carter Hart was up, apparently. They should have they should have traded Carter Hart. <laughs> and here we are now, and it's like... Giving guys that have been irrelevant to the league their almost whole careers. Getting yeah. the bag, man. Like, what, what is Philly. going on in I, Philadelphia? I hope they destroy themselves. Let them destroy and, uh, themselves financially. And I don't know how you feel about this one, Dally, but what are your thoughts on um, Parise going to the to the Avalanche? You know what? I'm going to respect it. You know, Minnesota's still paying out $3 million of his contract, and he was at the Islanders' rec- or the most recent. I always like Zach Parise, and I'm going to say is because he was an animal when he was playing on the New Jersey Devils back in the day when they were going for their cup run. All right? I love the signing. He's a veteran guy. I always had mad respect for Zach Parise, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about it, him coming to Colorado. I like him, and I've always actually liked Parise, but I loved what Barzell said today. Oh, man, did he ever just basically punch his own team in the face. He said, everyone here loves Parise. He said, we would love to have him back. He said, but maybe if we actually won the games we should have won and we were 10 to 15 points ahead, he would have chose to sign with us. I know he would have, but because we're no good, he didn't want to sign for us. Like what a what a statement from Barzell. Like there's a guy who's fed up being in New York. Well, and that so there's... many teams are speaking up on how garbage they've been. Like, have you guys been paying attention to the Kings? Dowdy's been letting the team have oh, yeah. it. Their coach, their their coach is even letting the team have it, and especially on Pierre Luc Dubois. 
Oh yeah, we have. Oh, dude, he's here. been demoted to the fourth line now. That's how bad yeah. it is. And then he just did a sign of eight years. God, they're hating themselves. Eight right years, now. eight and a half million, and we have Todd McClellan right here. He has to be a difference maker. And with or without the puck, we've gone through this long enough. It's time. And what was said about him in Winnipeg? It's about time he starts to show up. What was said about him in Columbus by Tortorella? If he's not going to show up, I'm not going to play him. This has been constant through this guy's career. Well, and this kid thinks he's an all-star. Like, man, how about you zip your lips and show it then, you know? And you're not. You Like, if I'm a coach, think, man, yeah. like, you're, you're benched. Unless you start showing me something, you're benched. I love He's way too cocky. Um, so from um, Spit and Chicklets, I'm just throwing this in there. So um, Matt Merles, he said, um, oh, what did he say? He was talking about how, um, like, all of a sudden he just showed up after this comment by um, Todd McClellan. He comes up with a tinted visor, like, thinking he's sick. And then he said, like, also, doubt he's not one to talk because the night that he's blaming the team, he, he gave away the two last two goals. He was responsible for giving away the puck that led to their final two goals. So he's like, this team's in shambles. Like, they have, yeah. PLD gets called out the next game. He comes out with a tinted visor thinking he's sick. Like, just, they're falling apart. They have lost 12 of their last 14 games. Like, And Colorado just spanked them last night, 5-1. Exactly. Speaking of which, Drew Doughty probably thought himself like, ooh, I'm going to pull a Devon Page, call it my teammates, and we're going to go 12-2 after that. Yeah, no, buddy, you still no. lost. You still got spanked. And, you know, I like, just love from the they need to shake up that I hated the PLD trade for L.A. I was like, what are you doing giving up? We all were. I know all of us were, but we were vocal about it on our podcast saying, like, what are they doing giving up? Velarde, I follow, Kupari, and a pick, and then giving him eight and a half million when he's asked out of two teams now. We knew and we were called we were called out for it by people saying that, no. He's the best thing that's going to happen to this team. Try beating Kopitar, Deneau, and Luke Dubois down the middle. Like, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, here we are. Teams are decimating them. And guess yeah. who's killing it? Winnipeg Jets. Rightfully so. He doesn't seem like a good teammate to have. He just keeps bringing them down like this. Because he thinks he's the best player in the room. He's God's gift. The second coming of Christ. Like, I'm sorry not to be disrespectful towards the guy, but you know what? Show your teammates a little bit more respect. You know, maybe come down to earth with the rest of your team. You know what You're I not that say? great, man. It's showing. You have a guy who has a big ego in Columbus, Ohio. Then he gets sent to Winnipeg, Manitoba, and he has a big ego. You can't send him to Hollywood. It's not going to end well. He's going to want to live that life. He, it's in his blood obviously, yeah. to be the man. You send him to a place where it's party central, girls everywhere, sunny out all the time. You can go to the beach any day you want, 365 days a year. It doesn't matter. Like, that is not going to go well. Just like, it's like Trevor Zegris. Got to get him out of California because he can't play there. But Pierre-Luc Dubois has showed he can't play anywhere. You can yeah. put him man, in He's Winnipeg, just waiting to go to Montreal. Well, and you can't you can't trade him to a team where a coach you know is like knows what he's doing either because Pierre Luc Dubois is not going to offer him anything. So he's going to be like, "Why should I even play you, man? Like, why do you want to be here if you 
can't play for my team. Yeah. Be a team so player. Don't stop e- being selfish. Either, either you're stuck being trash, like, in, a, like, a cool city like L.A., or, I don't know, you're going to be stuck on the fourth line on any other team because you have no other value. Yeah, you know what exactly. they should do? I don't know if this could work, but, like, pull a Samson off, right? Just send him down to the minors for a little bit. Let him just bench him for a while, you know? Just get him to that farm team. Just let him sit out for a while and then realize, get him back into the mental state of, like, hey, I got to be a team player and I'll get called up when I'm ready because I ain't shown I can play at an NHL level right now, even though you know I went third overall. I have to you know, check. I- I feel like it's. I feel like it's already too far gone. I feel like his ego is not coming down to earth whatsoever. He's gonna be a guy where it's like, oh, if you're gonna send me down, trade me. But no one's gonna want you, man. Not with that contract. Not with that attitude. Yeah. (laughs) And where is he? Okay. So they did one thing smart. He has no movement or trade protection. So. They could send him to the minors if they chose to because he doesn't have a no-move clause. He has no no no-trade clause and no modified no-trade clause. So, but he's eight years, eight and a half million in year one of eight. Like, this is Jonathan Huberto, Johnny Goudreau level bad, but at least those are good dudes. Like, LA's kicking themselves right now. It's not what they needed when they thought that they Sucks were getting him. Suck. Like after they made so many good moves, like adding Vladislav Gavrikov, right? Like honestly moving on from Sean Dursey, who by the way was just noted as the number one offensive defenseman in the league. He has a hundred score rating as an offensive defenseman and ninety five as a transition D and fourteen as a defensive defenseman. Like he's terrible defensively, but he was rated the number one off pure offensive defenseman in the NHL by whatever underlying stats it was, but you know, they've made moves and it's good to see these moves, you know, getting Kevin Fiala, getting Philip to know they just, you know, Quinta Byfield turning out, Kaliev's turning out their Laferriere is turning out like their young players are playing well. They bring in Trevor Lewis again to be like a veteran presence and all they needed honestly, was Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo to continue their growth, and they gave that up. Um, did you say Arthur Kaliev in there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do believe last I heard about Kaliev, he did potential, or team, the team is giving him the option to talk to other teams, I believe. Really? Don't I quote me on that, that but I, I thought I seen something around that. Could be. He plays first-line power play, and he plays good minutes, so I don't know if he would really want out, but maybe. Maybe something happened off ice. You never know. Maybe. Maybe yeah. I'm even thinking of somebody else, but I, I could have sworn it was Kaliev's name that i seen. Because he was a second-rounder, right? Yeah. In his Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, th- I think it was him, but who knows if even the source is reliable. So, True. I just... That would be interesting. We'll watch that. We'll pay attention. All right, let's get into some suspensions because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it became Suspension City. Brendan Gallagher suspended five games by player safety for an illegal check to the head of Adam Pellick. No one knows what Brendan Gallagher was thinking in this moment. No one knows how he only got five games. Again, the NHL player safety 
misses the mark because he clearly targets Pelic's head. He's a short player. He's like 5'10", Pelic's 6'3", and he jumps, well, doesn't jump, but he raises his elbow as high as he can and just cranks him right in the jaw after the puck's gone. Like, dirty. How, how does it get, like, and you, I liked what I heard when someone said, like, Brendan, Ga- it was the announcers on the TV. Brendan Gallagher is not a dirty player, but that is a dirty play. Like, he's done some suspect stuff in his career, but he's no Brad Marchand and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, they were winning 3-1. to one. They did end up, I think, losing this game. And they tied it up, I believe, on his five-minute penalty. Like, I don't know. I don't know what made him do it. And he's lucky he only got five because the NHL player safety can't figure their crap out. Yeah, and he had his hearing over the phone, too. Basically, just yeah. a little slap on the wrist. And that's just it. You can only suspend up to five games with a phone hearing, and in-person hearing is five-plus. So as soon as everyone heard it was a phone hearing, they knew it was under five games or five games. Like, Then we go into Truba, who gets his two-game suspension for elbowing Dorfeyev on Vegas. I don't know if you guys saw that one. Um, So face-off happens. He's on the board side and Dorfeyev, they they both come into the center and the puck goes back to the corner on Truba's side. And when he turns, he absolutely intentionally, he lifts his elbow and he pretends like he's turning and he just whacks Dorfeyev right in the side of the head, cranks him with an elbow. How Truba also only got two games. I don't know. This guy's been suspended and on the edge of so many dirty hits forever. And he only got two. I'm going to throw in a side note on that too. NHL public enemy number one is back. Nick Cousins just being a dirty player again, as usual. What did he do this time? I missed it. Oh, he's just fighting again. It was with Arizona. Oh, yeah. Just being an absolute rat. Still going after players. And then Arizona played. Not even necessary. uh, Arizona played Tampa right after they played Florida. And Michael Kessler ring got fined the maximum amount for cross-checking. After Lawson Kraus scored, Kesselring skated straight over to Tampa rookie defenseman Max Crozier, cross-checked him to the ice, like decked him, then cross-checked him while he was on the ice, and then Crozier got up, and Lawson Kraus continued to beat the pulp out of him. So I didn't see what happened before that to make them mad at Crozier, but they took out whatever frustration they had on him. So Kesselring got his fine of 2,500-something maximum for cross-checking and we have the i was just gonna add to the i'm surprised huberto didn't get anything for his uh checking from behind call i I think that they deemed that was enough punishment the five in a game yeah yeah i think that that was his punishment and i mean it did look like he knew but he messed up after the play. If anyone watched that game, he like he hit the guy into the boards. He fell. His face is all bloodied. And Huberto knew knew immediately he messed up. But I was surprised he didn't even get like a little fine or a couple games. He was in tonight against Chicago. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you know you don't hear too much about being a dirty player, but. Yeah, I mean, he made a mistake. Uh, he He's never been suspended before, so I think that played into it. They're like, you got a five in a game, that's pretty much like a fair punishment. Yeah, it's kind of like a warning. Yeah. And then in the PWHL, the first ever suspension 
Boston's Taylor, I'm going to approach this, it's Wankowski, I think, was suspended one game for a high hit on Ottawa's Amanda Brulier, and she absolutely destroyed that girl. Like, straight through the head. She was doing a dump-in, fully extended, and just came through the chin. Just 180. She absolutely just 180. Oh, it was a big hit. Now, again, I'm loving the hitting in women's hockey. If it comes with a suspension here and there because they cross the line, I'm all for it. Just police it the right way. And And she's wearing a cage. Yeah, then they're wearing cages. But it was great. I loved it. Um, Well, and now we go into some controversial stuff, just based on who you are as an NHL fan. But January 27th, this is per Hockey News. January 27th marks the 11,318th day that Gary Bettman has been the commissioner of the NHL. This makes him the longest serving leader of any major league, including the NFL, MLB, or the NBA. So um, I'm just going to say congrats to Gary Bettman. For all the things people hate, he's grown this game a ton. We wouldn't have the expansion teams we have without him. Yes, it's mostly in America. Canada has kind of suffered a bit. No, Canada's never won a cup with a Canadian team under him as commissioner. But at the end of the day, the owners are getting more money. The game's played faster. They got rid of stupid rules. The rules are getting better. Uh, For the most part, he's changed hockey for the better. And um, I think the game would be worse without him, but it'll be interesting to see whenever he steps down. I think two years is all he's got on his contract. And then he, he's probably going to retire because he's like 71 or something. I would also like to just go on the record and say, Gary Bettman, I don't care. It's been 11,000 days too long. You got to go, man. Sick and tired of hearing your name popping up everywhere. Nobody likes you. you cheer Nobody for, likes him. You cheer for an American team, bud. Doesn't matter. Why, 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 why are you complaining? You actually cheer for a team was that a he Canadian. expanded there. You actually cheered for a team that he expanded to Colorado from Quebec City. That was Gary Bettman. Hey, man. I'm sure the league could be pretty good now. He he can retire with a pretty penny and a pension. So, so uh, I mean, when a Canadian team win, we, when we a Canadian a team win, hey, when a Canadian team wins a cup, but I don't want to hear you. Uh, I don't want to hear it from you. Hey man, I, I'm I'm hoping they win a cup, man. We got two very good teams this year in the Oilers and the Canucks. Okay, Jets. they nah. can do it, especially nah. the Vancouver Canucks. What about the nah. Jets? Nah. I yeah, honestly, imagine the Jets. imagine saying Edmonton over the Jets. I would honestly say the Jets have the highest. The way they're chance. going, they're right just now? they're deep <laughs> right now. The Jets. Now the Jets are slipping. They are third in their own division all of a sudden, but I mean that's fine. They but that's okay. Realistically, but... we have four teams. Four teams that could make a good push to the Cup this year. Four. Ottawa. <laughs> nope. Toronto. Montreal. No. Oh, don't even say Toronto, bud. No. Have you looked at no. the realistically? East? Have you looked at realistically? The East? Have you looked at the East? There's no way. Yeah, Toronto's I have looked a, at the East. Toronto's a middle-of-the-pack team. Tell me they're good. Who are they bringing in on They're defense? not the best. Who are they putting in net? Uh, actually, I think like Samsonov was in that tonight. Yeah, they won 4-2 two two against the Jets. Yeah, they did. They won the against the Jets. Like, I, you, know what, you know what? Good on Samsonov for getting those wins, but Toronto is not a good team still. I'm right not now. claiming... I'm not claiming they're going to win anything this year. I'm saying they're going to the playoffs, but the Canucks and the Oilers have the best chance, the top two I mentioned, that could potentially make it that far. 
I'm just saying right now. So well, say say playoffs started today. Toronto <laughs> is either playing the New York Rangers or the Boston Bruins. Yeah, done. Uh, oh, they're gonna done. get started today. They're gonna like, get who, fucked. And and you know why? Because they have no goaltending. The teams you just named off have goaltending. Yeah, like yep. the Bruins have two goaltenders. Right. Like, good luck. Okay. And Vancouver's and one. Bet. Go ahead. Go ahead. Vancouver's one top six forward away from a potential Stanley Cup run this year. Okay. Toronto is six blue liners, two goaltenders away from something like that. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, they're also a whole bottom six core team yeah, away. True. Ryan Reeves has played <laughs> so. his first game this, you know, since December 14th, I think. And guess so what? He like, scored. You're benching. He scored. Oh, he, he's there's just proven it to Bradtree Living, man. There's not four Canadian teams. There's three. They're all in the West. It is Winnipeg, Vancouver, Edmonton. Those are the only three Canadian teams that have a shot. Okay, fine. In Winnipeg, I'm, I'm going Winni- my answer. In Winnipeg, they have, like, what, two or three major players injured right now? <laughs> Uh, Cal Connor just came back, but again, he missed like I think Shifley's months. injured though. I oh, think he Morrissey, is. Morrissey might be. He, he injured. played today. Reeves ragdolled him in a little Morrissey, scrum. yeah. Reeves okay. had a hold of him today, but you know, know. that could I'm be missing a, Shifley that, on my fantasy team. That could be a reason why Winnipeg's slipping down is because some of their key pieces are injured. So, and I mean, I mean, hardly they're at 65 points. Dallas is 66, Colorado 67. They're one win away from being first in the division again. But how it looks is loss of three for Winnipeg, winning three for Dallas, and winning three for Colorado. So they're just on a quick little cool down in play. But they're no, by no means playing bad. Yeah. All right. What do we got? What do we got? Oh, a new team. After talking about expansions and everything, we have the ECHL announcing the 30th member of their league. It will be the Bloomington, Illinois. Singular, bison. singular bison. Singular bison. One bison. Not the bisons. Not the herd. None of that. No, they are the bison. Singular. I mean, I like, uh, we'll, we'll put this picture up. I like the logo. I like the name. I think it's kind of funny. For, for an ECHL team, this is not the NHL. They don't need to be the most professional. And I know that because I'm a, I'm a Tampa fan, and they have Orlando, and Orlando just wore pink Whitney jerseys the other night, and then their jerseys today was a naked polar bear because it was whiteout night. So they're just absolute goofballs. So I'm oh, all for goofy. I, I love that the ECHL, like it just seems like they're having fun with the league. I mean, they're bringing in guys that are four, like the Growlers, bringing in a guy that's 47 years old. Yep. Because they needed guys like that. Now, you you know how much more fun the NHL would be if they're like, okay, we desperately need a player tonight. I mean, yeah, you got your AHL team that you can call from. But, like, how sick would it be to see an NHL team go to an ex-guy that played for them 10, 15 years, like, back and being like, yo, man, you feel like suiting up tonight? Yeah. Or, you know, doing what the Solar Bears did, like you are saying. They had, like, two new jerseys within a week, right? They had the sick pink Whitney jerseys, which looked dope. And the white jerseys also looked sick. And they they always do something Halloween. Usually it's a skeleton. They've done a skeleton that glowed in the dark where the white ribs and everything turn green. And they turn the lights out and the players are skating around, like, glowing in the dark skeletons. They just have fun with it. And I don't know why the NHL is so strict on you get a home, you get in a way. 
you get maybe an alternate and then you can have like one special event jersey a stadium series a heritage classic but then that's it whereas these teams are like just go for it you want to throw a jersey on let's do it pink whitney night we got it Whiteout, we got it skeletons go for it doesn't even have yeah, to they're not have just warm up the front well yeah. even even look at the ahl though Look at the Wranglers. They had a poker night. Yeah, like a yeah. poker gambling night jersey. That was a sick looking jersey. Yeah. Like the NHL just tries so hard to be professional. You know what? If every league was like the NBA in terms of jerseys, that's the one thing I love about the NBA. They have a jersey for everything. They have Lunar New Year. They have Chinese New Year. They have City New jersey. Year. They have the city jerseys. They have their state jerseys sometimes. Like they just have so many jerseys. And it's like, oh, they make fun. it fresh. Yeah, they, yeah, they were, make it fresh. You know Something new every time. It's a, it's a money pit because I've bought NBA jerseys from Golden State's arena. They were $300 jerseys still, same as a hockey jersey, and it's half the fabric. Well, in Dallas, I could only imagine that if Colorado released a new like say Colorado released a new jersey every month, I bet I bet you'd be on their website <laughs> every month buying a new jersey. And I bet I'd be living on the street because my entire paycheck would be going straight to it. How many Avalanche jerseys are in Dallas's footage right now? Three. Uh, three. So I got the three, <laughs> and then I probably got like six more in the, the one of the bins <laughs> over there. But like, you know, the NHL says like, you know, they're a business and they want to make money. Well, man, if you bring in like five different jerseys per team per year, like you're just adding profit because there's going to be yeah. the guys that want to collect every single one of those jerseys. Even the ugliest jerseys that the league have brought out, I'm sure there's going to be buyers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why Gary's got to go, man. Fucking bring in a, a, a younger, funner, more you know, more lenient commissioner that, that's like this. They'll allow stuff like this to happen. More MLB fun. even does it, too. Major League Baseball does a lot of shit like that, too. More fun. Sorry, more fun. All right, well, we have some sad news from your Calgary Flames, Dak. Uh, the waiver wire hit your team's depth hard. You lose Nick DeSimone and Adam Ruzichka on waivers. Let's just get your little rest in peace farewell to these guys. Uh, you know what? The only one that I, that like, I don't know, it doesn't really pain me, but... The one I kind of hate to see go a little bit more than the other was Ruzichka. Um, but it, at the end of the day, it does come down to the business. Unfortunately, he got picked up. Unfortunately, Arizona's picking us off like nobody's business. Um, you know, all the best to him, but he hasn't really been a consistent bottom six guy. I don't even think he's going to be a top six guy ever in his career, but who knows? Maybe he turns it around in Arizona. Um, but I could, at the same time, though, as a Flames fan, that's just adding more space to the younger players that I think Flames fans want to see more ice time to. Like, we got Peltier coming back. I mean, awesome story with Shillington being back on the ice. Coronado's back in the NHL. Zary is still red hot. Like, the direction they need to go was young and it's Call clearly showing it's, it's clearly showing and it's, it's working out for them. Maybe not in the wins wise, but you know, in the excitement wise, like the youth movements 
It's there. Calgary. They got the bet one of the best depth in the, of a farm team in the Wranglers. They got some good prospects. I know you know that, but I'm just saying they got one of the best in the Chell for a farm. You know, staying staying a below below average team in the league. It's only growing my excitement because you know where that's going to land them in the draft, boys. Iggy's coming home, baby, and I want to see it. I'm here for it. Yeah. I hope I our, hope they get it done. Our Camus Blazers, who had Jerome Aginla, missed out on both Aginla sons. So now we have to hold out hope that Calgary can get both Aginla sons. Because that would be awesome. If not both, at least one. But both would be sweet. Just, just one. Make, flame, make Calgary happy. I'm sure Jerome would love to see his son in a Flames jersey and, who knows, stay long enough to break all his records. How sick would that be? Yep. He's already almost breaking his, his junior records, his dad's junior records, which is crazy. Almost? Point-per-game player, yeah. yeah. Yeah, has. Yeah, he passed. Sorry, has. Well, talking about uh, records... This week was crazy. It just happened that everyone decided to hit milestone record points. We had Steven Stamkos hitting 1,100 NHL points. Then his teammate, longtime friend, Victor Hedman, getting 700 NHL points. We had 1,000 games ceremonies on the same day for Matt Duchesne and Lars Eller. Lars Eller being the very first Danish player from Denmark to play 1,000 games in the NHL, so congratulations to him. Then we had kind of the next wave, the next generation. We had just a couple weeks ago, McDavid hit 900. Now we have Dreisaitl hit 800. Austin Matthews scores his 40th goal, and he becomes the fastest Maple Leaf to 600 points. So this is just building up. And then in Ottawa, we had Claude Giroux hit 700 assists. And to go along with Dreisaitl's 800 points, the Edmonton Oilers won their 16th straight game, one behind tying the record of 17 straight games. So that's a lot to digest. I don't know if you guys want to throw in on any of that, but that's some pretty incredible list of players there that all are reaching some good milestones. Yeah, no, definitely congrats to all those guys. Uh, I mean... For Stamkos especially, I mean, I don't think getting a thousand points or even over a thousand points is, you know, easy in today's game unless you're a superstar like McDavid, Matthews, and Dreisaitl, who I guarantee will hit over a thousand points. But, and I think Stamkos, that being said, is still a point per game player through his career. No. Yes, yes, he is. He only hit a thousand games last year at the end. Yeah, so I mean he, that's. Yeah, he hit a thousand games after he hit his thousand points. So yeah, so that's that's a feat in itself to be able to be a point per game player throughout your whole career, right? Like exactly, and to do it with the injuries he's had, and you know, Tampa wasn't good in the beginning, and he fought through with some bad teams and really helped them and became the leader that he is today. So. Yeah, it's awesome to see him just continue to get more and more. And he is Tampa's all-time franchise leader in points. He took that last year, but he's every point he gets is another one on that franchise lead that Kucherov is very quickly coming for, but still, he will have it for a few years. 
And then Hedman at 700 points, this is, you know, I know you, everyone always hates that I fight so hard for Hedman, but 700 points for a defenseman is crazy good. Yes, Kale McCarr did just hit 300 in way less of a time. So, again, we're not debating Hedman versus McCarr here. 279. But Hedman getting 700 points in around 1,000 games as a defenseman is still an incredible feat, and I think it really puts him up there as one of the best defensemen in the last 10 years to play the game in the top five for me. I would say top three. Too many people would argue me, so I'll say top five. All right. We got, oh, sorry, AHL news. Also, little side note. Logan Stankhoven is the first player in the American Hockey League to reach 50 points in 38 games, and he's also a rookie, leading that league in points, getting to that milestone, uh, and he's from our hometown. So we got to love, give him his love because he is absolutely killing it. And we got to say, Dallas Stars, make the call here. All right, get this kid in the NHL. It's time. Right, Zellweger made his debut for Anaheim. Let's yeah, get Stanky up for the Dallas Stars. There's no reason to keep him in the minors anymore. I mean, maybe because you want to have him a top six role, but you you see that happen with too many guys where you wait for the top six role to open up and it never does, and you just kind of ruin the guy. Just let him play. I mean, right? they chose Sam Steele over him. Unfortunately for me, I would I would let Stankoven ride it out in the NHL this year. You know do your thing all season long, and then next year you're forced. He forces your hand to make that call. If if mm-hmm. he doesn't make the team next year, then I think that's a big mistake on Dallas's part. But I think right now, as a rookie in the AHL, I don't think you're hurting him too much. And, I mean, he's only just going to get better. I think Dallas lets that ride out this year. Unless they yeah. have, like, a big major injury or the big name guy, then maybe he'll get the call. But I'd, yeah. Me personally, I'd let him ride out in the AHL and see what he can do by the end of the year. He's having a great, great start in his AHL career there, you know, but talking about next year, like, yeah, he could definitely get that starting role with the Dallas Stars full-time next year. That'd be perfect. Like I thought it was a bit of a snub having Sam Steele make the team out of camp before Stankoven, but you know what? It's not all in all bad because he's having a killer year, his first year with the Texas Stars. So yeah, if if next year he does get that starting role, then I think it'll be all it'll all work out. The only thing you'd hate to see if is he never gets a call up and Dallas wins the cup. You'd hate yeah. to see that, and then say they don't win again, and it's like, oh, he missed his chance to like win the cup as a rookie or whatever. Like that would have sucked to see. But I also don't think Dallas is going to win the cup, so that's just my opinion. Because every time they have to rely on Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan to carry them through the playoffs, that doesn't happen. Or hope so. Ottinger's hot enough to block every shot against them. Exactly. Like, they they have Ottinger, they have Heiskin, and they have Robertson. That's great. Those three will do their thing. We know that they're consistent players. But every time you look down the fucking bench and you're like... Sagan, Benn, yeah. Duchesne. Yeah. Where Rupe are they? Hintz is is an animal, too. He's good, yeah, hints. And then you know what you're getting from Pavelski. Pavelski should have that C on his chest over Ben. I've thought that for a couple of years now. I love Joe Pavelski, and he's always just standing in front of the net, taking slap shots at the and you, face. Just And you know what? Speaking of Pavelski, a guy that's helping, or at least was in preseason, helping Logan adjust to today's game. 
So yep. again, he's a leader and he's helping your future potentially in this, in this, on this team. So yeah, no, you're right. Been... You're, you're right with, you know, Pavelski's definitely deserving of that C, but Ben's also been there longer with a C than Pavelski has, I believe. So yeah, it's kind of a tough call to just strip Ben. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, Pavelski's did... a great mentor. He, uh, he's been building Wyatt Johnston adjusting as well to the Texas atmosphere. Like he's been living with him the last two seasons now. So that's one thing that's a problem to you though. When you look at like your captain, would you let your rookies live with Jamie Ben or Tyler Sagan? Maybe not no, Sagan. You, you or Ben. I don't, I don't think Ben's married. I think he's a party animal. So I could be wrong. Could be totally Mario. Wrong. Look to see if he's married. Mario Lemieux, his first season, Crosby was in town. He let Crosby live live with him. Yeah, but he was married and had kids. Well, that's that's true. Yeah, and he was kind of like it's Mario Lemieux, but I don't know. You just get like Sagan and and Ben are just kind of like they're still teenagers at heart. They're not like guys like like they're not John Tavares, Mario Lemieux. Pavelski, I mean, Sagan's Sagan's bringing in blonde bombs, watching his games, man. So yeah, yeah, I don't exactly. Know. He's still dating out there. He's Scotty yeah. Upshaw, man. When I hear Scotty Upshaw stories, I'm like, you, you don't want a guy like Scotty Upshaw with your rookies because he's gonna take them straight to the rippers and have some fun. So yeah, that's that's <laughs> the kind of guy that Sagan is. You're like, hey. You know, Sagan's been doing this for 10 years, going out late, then coming to practice still. Like, where's the ruck? Like, I don't know. I lost him last night somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> 3 a.m. He just was gone. So, I don't know. I just went home. <laughs> oh, that's good. We trusted you with our franchise center, and you lost him. That's good. Yeah. Could be could be dead somewhere. That's fine. <laughs> that's what I would see Sagan doing. All right, let's jump back. Once again, more news on this BCHL, AJHL, Canadian Junior Hockey League whole merger situation. So from the five teams that said they were leaving the Alberta Junior Hockey League, here's their statement. Our five teams remain members in good standing with the Alberta Junior Hockey League, Canadian Junior Hockey League, Hockey Alberta, Hockey Alberta and Hockey Canada. We have not entered into any agreements to leave any of those organizations, nor have we made any announcement to that effect. We have full intention of fulfilling our commitments to each of those bodies for the remainder of the 2023-24 regular season and postseason. We do not agree that any AJHL team should be or game should be canceled or postponed. We share in the public's disappointment in the current situations. We strongly believe that our players should be back on the ice playing hockey and competing for an inter-pipeline cup and we will do everything we can to bring this unfortunate situation to a positive resolution. So basically the AJHL or those five teams just shot down everything the BCHL said in their press release, which the BCHL would not have done without agreements. So this is the, these teams tucking their tail now and going to hide saying like, no, we need to play games, realizing they're going to lose out on thousands of dollars of revenue to end the year which is true and then so this is from the ajhl it's a bit winded but i'll read it quick so ajhl seeks clarity on conflicting statements the ajhl is aware of the contradictory statements coming from the bchl and the five defecting clubs and the negative impact they're having on our players and their families 
The denial made late Thursday night by the five clubs directly contradicts the BCHL itself, which said last Saturday that the unsanctioned league and the clubs had committed to terms for the teams to join the BCHL starting in 2024-25. In addition to contact contradicting the BCHL, last night's statement is at odds with earlier statements from the five clubs. That includes a media comment from Brooklyn Bandits president Paul Seaton, who said two days ago that nothing has been signed yet, but an agreement has been reached and our board has agreed to do it unanimously. The information wasn't supposed to be out until May 1st. Given the suggestion by the future clubs that the BCHL issued a false statement and the inconsistent and conflicting information coming from the five clubs themselves, the AJHL is calling on the BCHL and the clubs to provide immediate clarification. Until such time as the AJHL is satisfied that there are no plans for the five clubs to depart the league to play unsanctioned hockey, the current scheduled decisions remain in place, which is canceling their games. So, what a cluster this is. Like, if you're leaving, just say you're leaving. If you're staying, just say you're staying. That was not clear at all. And you don't help your case by, in your statement, you saying, we want to, or, uh, you know, we want to be commit, like, we want to commit to our um, our duties for the rest of the 23-24 season, but yet you deny the claims the BCHL just said, but you've only given the rest of the season exactly at your commitment. Like, you don't, you don't help your case. Yeah. It, With all the politics no aside, I still you know, feel just, bad for all the players. Just, just come out and be like, you know, yes, it sucks, but come out and say there's an agreement made like cats out of the bag yeah you're gonna lose money but if you think an agreement was made to, if you think it's the better business decision then just own the business decision mm-hmm. like you know what yeah we did it because over the next 10 years we're looking at x amount of dollars in revenue versus you know x amount of dollars in the ajhl that's why we're doing this fair enough you're gonna lose your money this year and you're gonna make more money next year is what you're doing it for so, just do it. Well, the losing money aspect, like, you're going to lose money out of this season, no matter what. But I'm also, I've been watching some people online, like, they were saying, like, they're already getting ready to start expanding, bringing in five new teams, like, because the the Alberta Hockey League, like, there's a lot of good markets, but, like, A, where are you going to pull them from? And, two, how quick do you think you're going to even make these franchises, you know, magically come out of thin air like you know for next year like i don't think it's possible i think you're gonna have to wait a few years before you start breaking ground because well, these were is some still, of the five best markets just just like the bchl had the kijhl underneath it i don't know what the league is but there is a league under the ajhl i'm pretty sure so there could be five teams that they pull from that league up to make it so that promote they them have, yeah yeah promote them and then that way, like the whatever the five biggest cities are in that league, right? They'll promote them to allow them to come in. And but then again, then that league is short five teams, or maybe they'll do like halfway, three and two, right? Like they'll only take three teams, something like that. But there there will be a way that they can make it work quickly, I think. But it'll take some time. And then like maybe they could, you know, we're borrowing these teams for one year while we find expansion options, and then we will return them to their league, like. Something like well, that. Well, think right? 
think of it this way though too like the british columbia hockey league and the kootenai league here in british columbia the kijhl they have teams in washington state the kootenai league still does in the spokane braves the bchl did in the wenatchee wild before they were promoted to major junior to the western hockey league so they could they could probably pull maybe a team or two even from montana or idaho that borders the southern alberta border it's plausible yeah. For you sure. know, boys could get a team or uh, Helena or I don't know, somewhere in Montana, but you could expand to the States if True. that arises. So this is also from Jason Greger. He said, things I don't understand. The AHL doesn't want the five defecting teams in the league anymore. Okay. However, they won't let them play games versus each other unless they were previously scheduled. So out of respect for the players on the five detecting teams, we will allow scheduled games among these clubs to proceed. That's from the AJHL. Here's the games that they have. Brooks Bandits have five. Sherwood Park has five. Uh, Black Falls Okotoks have three. And Spruce Grove has zero games versus any of those teams. So they're the ones that are really losing out. They have no games the rest of the year. So if the AJHL doesn't want them in the league, how can they stop them from scheduling games against each other? How are they allowed to stop kids from playing yet claim they respect the players? Seems like another power flex out of spite. Hockey Canada, which oversees the AJHL, takes harsher actions on defecting teams than they do sexual abuse. Priorities seem off. So that was a tough statement there. And then, Sound off. Um, well. This is Craig Button. He says, I wouldn't be surprised if the NCAA starts allowing CHL players to play as in as soon as maybe 12 to 8 months. I think Junior A hockey in Canada will become a lower tier hockey in the future. So I think Hockey Canada right away, as soon as the BCHL defunct from them, went, okay, you think that you guys have the best way to get kids to college? Here, let's let's make an agreement with the NCAA that our entire CHL crop that isn't allowed to go to American college can now go. What does that do for you? What does that make you special, BCHL? doesn't make anything for you. You're just a league then. Now anyone can go to college from any of our leagues. Anyone can go to the AHL or what. They can pick now, and then it's over. Why would you not play in the Western League if you can do that? Exactly. A lot of power um, moves. And then uh, from Jeff Merrick, uh, Dallas, you mentioned this one to me in the CHL news. Sounds like this is the last CHL-NHL top prospects game that will be uh, taking place. Uh, look for the event to be replaced with two game series between the best prospects from the CHL versus the best prospects in the United States. So the, all of a sudden, Canada Hockey Canada is just like, boom, let's just um, change things up all over the place to really throw a wrench in what independently the bchl is trying to do they're just going we're taking it all there's nothing you can do here i also heard a rumor that belarus and russian imports may become a thing again for the chl it's just a rumor don't quote me on it but i did hear a report that that may be coming back into spotlight soon i think that would have to wait until whatever's going on over in russia yeah. and ukraine settles down still because trudeau can control the immigration process on the players and he just wouldn't let them in so um but let's jump to an x flame again here nick ritchie um he finished his eight game suspension after snapping and punching a player in the back of the head repeatedly 
just for Carpat as soon as that suspension ended to release him. So Carpat uh, says that they cannot offer Richie a big enough role in the team for the rest of the season. He's free to look for a place to play elsewhere. When he came up, we knew he was a high-risk, high-reward style card that we thought was worth a look. However, he was not able to rise to the role that we would have needed him to play. That is from Carpat Sports Director Miko Milikoski. So, basically saying, we don't want you after you did that stupid thing. Because he had four, I remember- he had he had five points in ten games. Like that's not bad. It's not great, but it's not kick off the team bad. I remember once upon a time that Don Cherry on Coach's Corner was so livid that they drafted William Nylander over Nick Ritchie, and I'm sure yep. to this day he is eating his words. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah, Nick Ritchie hasn't found out anywhere, unfortunately. Anywhere, yeah, exactly. His biggest he, NHL he only liked line, him. His biggest NHL storyline was being traded for his brother. <laughs> that, like, the first ever brother for brother trade in the NHL. That's his biggest storyline. That's it. What else did yeah. Nick Ritchie do? Sucked in Anaheim. Sucked in Arizona. Sucked in Boston. Sucked in Calgary. See ya. You know End when you, when you make a comment when you make a comment like. Don Cherry did like he said. Oh, Nick Ritchie, he's over six foot, two hundred pounds. He's the big kid at the draft, and then you go after the small kid and William Nylander, and he's saying like they sent him back to Sweden for a year to save his life. Like, dude, this guy came back to the NHL better than ever, and he is one of Toronto's superstars. And Nick Ritchie, like you mentioned, has not pent- amounted to anything in the NHL. So I'm pretty sure Toronto is laughing in your face. And they knew that what they were doing in getting William Nylander. Well, you know what? I think that's just the mindset Don Cherry has had, probably just because of that era of hockey he's from, right? Like, he's got the Daryl Sutter mindset. If you're not over six feet, you know, you're not going to make, or if you're not over like six foot two, six foot three, six four, you're not going to make in the NHL. But yet, it's showing now with the game changing that these smaller guys are just going to blow right past you. Yeah. So I, I think that's just, you know, the mindset comes in and, you know, not every big player is, you know, they're not going to be able right. to keep up with the game. Big is actually yeah. a detriment now. It's reversed. Big is slow. Big is doesn't have good hands. Big's good for nothing but fighting. Like, it's not like that anymore. Well, yeah, they're more for a Tage. lockdown game. That's it. You got Tage Thompson. Yeah, he's one but, of but, one. He's a unicorn. But, like, yeah, that's such a rare breed now to have a skilled six foot four or five player to be he's that six skilled. Seven. He's like six seven. That's e- Either way. Either way. Like, that, that's yeah. just rare to see these days. Yeah. Okay. We get to jump into some tarps here because we had the uh, Stadium Series jerseys released for New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York Rangers, and New York Islanders. And this was some pretty heated off-camera discussion here <laughs> going on, because uh, every, and I, you know, I actually saw that everyone hates the Flyers jerseys. I, I get that, but I like them. <laughs> I do. I do like them. I, I, they're ranked fourth out of four here. Okay. I want everyone to understand that they are still the fourth out of the four jerseys here. 
but I like them. I think that for me, um, they're good. And everyone loves the Devils. Devils is everyone's number one. I have them at three. I just think that they could have used something else to pop. Some kind of something other than black and red. I know it's, it's, I know you, the red is nice. The red is nice. I just think that the black is, it just doesn't do it for me. So I have them third. I have the Islanders second. I'm a sucker for letters. Most people hate them. That's fine. I know I'm an idiot. I like the letters. I like the crossbody. I know Dakota, you compare them to the Oilers. You can tell me how bad I am in a second, but the Rangers are number one. I got the Rangers number one. I think that Jersey's sick. I like the sleeves. I like the jerseys and the, the letters being um, like 3D. I like it all. So you guys can go ahead and just tell me how wrong I am now, but I well, like them all. For me, oh, you're you know, roasted. Well, for me, New Jersey's 100%. Number one, it's it's clean. It's simple. The red pops. The black logo, it pops. Like It's so basic, it's nice. Uh, the Rangers are definitely my second... I like the look of it. It's it's almost got like a like a college or a reverse retro look to it as a stadium series jersey. It's it suits the team. Yes, the Islanders. Are, just the color scheme for me is as copy and paste as Edmonton. I think you know, like they sh- to me. I think they should have brought out an orange jersey, not a dark navy blue with orange. Because it looks way too close to Edmonton's alternates, um, but you know I still have it ahead of Philadelphia just because it looks Philadelphia is the only one that kind of used like their logo as it's always has been, with just a different type of jersey look to it. But I don't like it. The other three, the other three are above and beyond the Flyers for me. <laughs> That's true. I don't think the Flyers have ever had a logo on their jerseys that wasn't that logo. I will say that. Like, I don't like they've had it in different colors. Like they had an all black one. They had like that silver metallic one a couple years ago. But I don't think they've ever had a logo on their jerseys that was not that logo. If it wasn't writing, I think they've had Flyers and they've had Philly on diagonal. That looks like the same old Flyers logo to me, man. You know, even if they did that, even if they wrote Philly, man, I think what does it for me is the logo. I think if they had Philly or something or City of Brotherly Love, that would have looked sick. Yeah, Like Smashville, like Nashville did a few years ago. They used the nickname of their city, which looks sick. I personally, I'm going to go with the hosts. New New Jersey just sells it for me. Dakota, you basically summed it up perfectly. Like, it's just simple, but it's awesome. The highlighter red, it just pops. I'm going to go second with New York, all right? I am a sucker for diagonal lettering. I think it looks amazing. They use the white, blue, and red. Simple. That's all they needed was that diagonal NYR. And it's different. They didn't go Rangers. They went NYR, which looks awesome. Thirdly, I'm going to go with the Islanders in the third spot. I'm I'm not a fan, and I'm going to rip the shit out of these two teams right now. Philly and the Islanders, the PR team... You guys have no creativity, okay? It's like you guys basically were at the end of the deadline. You're like, oh, God, we got to mash this up. Philly basically said, let's use our away jerseys, but let's change the name bar so it stretches across the fucking arms. The Islanders, I feel like a smashed pumpkin when I look look at this. Like, this is disgusting. You put aisles, like, 
not, not even any cool font. You basically just threw it together and said aisles. You could have used the fisherman. You could have used the lighthouse. But no, what you do, you just put a big old bar, orange bar in the middle, and just said aisles. Like, how bland is that, man? Like, I remember when stadium jerseys were coming out a few years ago, like, it was the talk of the town. Everybody was waiting for their team's jerseys to come out, and they look sick, okay? Philly had two stadium series jerseys in recent memory, 17, 2019, okay? And they look sick. They used a highlighter orange with black. And what do they do now? They put their away jersey out there. Looks disgusting to me. No creativity whatsoever. In New York, you can get fucked. <laughs> Maybe they went to pitch their jersey, and then the Devils were like, yeah, so we're doing highlighter red with black, and then the Flyers were like, oh, that was ours. <laughs> and then they had to change up. I mean, they are the away team, so they went white, but I don't. I like the name running down to the sleeve. I think that's different than normal. I like the orange right underneath it. I like the orange band. I like the white name plate with the orange lettering. Like, I don't know. I Like, yes, it's still the worst out of the four, but I can't say I hate it. And I know I... I like the I said, Islanders are known for, for this, though. The Islanders are known for this, though, boys. Do you remember the Retro Reverse? It was a spitting image of their home jersey. They just yeah. They just moved up one of the lower bars just up a couple inches. That's all they did. Like, I swear, whoever runs the PR team for the Islanders, no creativity whatsoever. You guys do a horrible job at signing jerseys. Absolutely horrid. Isn't it the New Mets Jersey, ownership? you killed it, boys. They just care more about the Mets, I think. All right, let's get into our two segments here. Let's wrap this up as we can here. Um, game day reviews. We put a randomizer on the NHL teams, and uh, we're doing the whole league going through. We're near the end here, so we have the New York Rangers for Dallas, Minnesota for Dakota, and I have the beauty jersey, New York Islanders. So go ahead. Whoever wants to start, fire away. I'll simplify it real quick. I got NYR. You boys had some sick jerseys just unveiled. Uh, Igor Shesterkin, Jonathan Quick, great goalie tandem. You boys are killing it. Uh, Chris Chris Kreider, Vinny Trocheck, uh, Keandre Miller, top players. They're doing pretty good. Do I think they'll go far? No. Can I make one note? Sorry, actually, just on Keandre Miller, I just saw something today. It was like um, the Rangers have been scored on 140 times this year. Keandre Miller has been on the ice for 113 of those, 81% of the goals wow. against. Not saying he's a bad player at all. Like Some of that's bad luck. Some of that's just whatever it is. But like 81%, I've never heard that. I don't know what his plus minus is, but it can't be good at that rate. It could, like, as far as I know, it came from a well, legit source. So, And I mean, their goals for to goals against is only about like 19 yeah. indifference. Yeah. Like his goal, their goals for is 161 to 142. So. Yeah, so they've had two more goals scored on them since I saw that. But, like, that's and, true. And, Yikes. And But, I mean, hey, they're still top of the Metro. The thing is, so, is that even a real accomplishment this year? All this, Like, the Metro was supposed to be nasty this year. Like, it was supposed to be a death trap. And then all of a sudden you have the Devils not performing, the Penguins not performing, the Islanders not performing, the Capitals not performing. And it was just like, the Flyers are in the playoffs, and they don't even know what they want to do. Oh, it's open season like, in the Metro. It's wide open. 
Nobody. Like, I I think the whole away east, the whole east is wide open, boys. Yeah. I mean, how often has it been noted that the West is the more dominant side of the league? Usually, it's the East, hands down. Yeah, yeah. You know who's honestly winning the Metro? Columbus. Like, I hate everything Columbus is doing, but at least they're sinking to a pick, and they aren't trying to do anything about it. You have Pittsburgh hanging on for dear life to these old guys. You have the Islanders not getting younger. You have the Devils, who are just so injured, it's not their fault whatsoever. The Capitals are just basically watching, like, trying to get Ovi his goals. And then, yeah, Columbus is just like, we suck. Let's keep doing that. But I do hate how Columbus keeps scratching their rookies. I mention that every time. But other than that, yeah. You, if you have anything else to add, keep, keep going, Dally, on the Rangers. But I mean, yeah, like I, the last point I made was I don't see them going too far. Yeah, they're doing great in the regular season, but I I don't see them going too far in the playoffs. They got rid of Tarasenko and Kane in the offseason. So, I mean, they didn't quite get it done last year. I don't think they're going to get it done this year. But, I mean, to still be where they are without those two players who were heavily considered, like, guys to help this team tremendously. Mm-hmm. They're down two key pieces, and they're still still where they're at. It's not bad. Same with Bo- – they're like Boston, basically, right? You could be down a lot of key pieces, and they're proving you wrong. Yeah, but I think it's – well, it's a little bit different because everyone was in the mindset that Boston was almost near a rebuild as where the Rangers – there's still going to be a team where you almost expect them to make the playoffs. Boston wasn't really expected to. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, and if you really do look at it, like Carolina's second in the Metro with 61. Rangers are are first with 63. Tampa and Toronto haven't been playing consistently, and same with Detroit. But Tampa 59, Toronto 58, Detroit 57 points. They would all be ahead of Philadelphia for third in the Metro, and Tampa would only be one win behind Carolina. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're Carolina and New York aren't really taking off right now, you could say, right? Like, they're not separating themselves in the East. They're just kind of there. Whereas the Panthers have 66, and then Boston has 71, who have really taken off, yeah. you know, like, um, I guess I'll go next with Minnesota. Go for it. To me, they got to be one of the weirdest in one of the weirdest situations. Just from looking at their division, I mean, they're second last in the Central, and the last team is Chicago. But they're seventeen points ahead of Chicago, and they're still right there with Arizona. And I mean, if they get hot, they could be right then and there with the Blues, the Predators. I wouldn't quite put them in the Jets talk, but, you know, the top three in that division are the Avalanche, Stars, and Jets. Yeah. But the Wild, I don't know. I feel like there's the trade rumors speculating about Erickson Eck getting traded, uh, Andre Fleury Fleury getting traded. So, I don't know. Minnesota's in a weird situation. Like, they could get, they could get hot and potentially make the playoffs, or they keep going, you know, just keep going straight line and probably not make the playoffs and maybe go for a pick this year. But I don't know. I think, it, yeah. to, to me, I don't see them being a playoff team. I think I think they're, they're going to be making some moves. 
And, Especially, you know, unfortunately, I like I want to see this team kill it. I want to see Kaprizov be an absolute animal. I want to see, you know, Erickson Eck be an animal. Like, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. And, like, I think that the nail in the coffin was Jared Spurgeon's year-ending injury. Yeah. Like, with him being done for the year, that's their captain. That's their best defender. They're not, like, what are they for goal differential? They're minus 17, and they just lost their best defender for the rest of the year. That number's not going to get better. I mean, now, hey, they, they do have two of the hottest rookies right now, though. They do. Rossi yeah, and Fabers, so. And they I have mean, the, Boldy and. So the like, future's looking bright for these guys, for sure. But, like, I think this team, in the next two years, they need to turn their stuff around. Yeah, and you know what? If you have, if you're worried about your D and you want to see, like, they have a guy like Carson Lambos, like oh, captain 100%. of Winnipeg Ice last year. Yeah, he's in the minors. Um, like they have the guys masters. in the minors. Yeah, well, I don't know if he's uh, ready. Yeah, Lambos yeah. should be ready. Lambos, I think, would be ready to make the jump, at least to get some ice time with Spurgeon being gone. And you just look like I, because so I, I don't remember everyone that they have. But like they're, I've looked at their depth chart. Kale Addison. Yeah, uh, Jake Middleton, Kale Addison, um, Faber. He got traded to Joe San Jose. <clears throat> yeah, but no, Hickett's, I think Hickett's on Iowa, though. Yeah, he, he. I love you know I love Joe, but we know that he's he probably won't get the call. Unfortunately, um, I mean they they'd be smart to call Lambos, but no, it was the other way. Dally Addison was. Oh no, was yeah. You're right. Sorry, he was. No, he's traded from Mini. Right from Minnesota. Two minutes. You're right. Yeah. Oh. For who was it for again? It was. Oh jeez. Goes to show you how much we pay attention. No, I remember now. I forget the defender though. It was a. I just remember he was a stud defenseman prospect for Pittsburgh. So I made like I followed him pretty closely, and I just remember hearing that he uh, he got dealt for Mini to San Jose. That's right. We did break that on the podcast earlier. It was one of our first. We did quite a few episodes ago. Yeah, but I totally forgot. Um, well, it might as well. Yeah, they're they're sellers, I think. But let's do the Islanders, who like they're five points back at Detroit for the second wildcard spot. Like the the lead, like where I thought Tampa was toast a couple games ago, I'm not thinking that anymore because all of a sudden that separation factor is there. You now have, like I said, Tampa 59, Carolina 61. Uh, Philly 56, Toronto, Detroit 58, 57, and then you have New York 52, Pittsburgh 51, New Jersey 51, Washington 51. There's been a there's a drop now. There's there it wasn't it used to be one to two points between everybody. Now it's five to ten. So that drop I think has basically solidified the Eastern playoffs. I I think that this is who's going to be in. I think your your eight playoff teams are going to be Boston, Florida, Tampa. Toronto, Detroit, New York, Carolina, Philadelphia. I don't think that that's going to change. You know what the gross thing is? They're one of those only top teams that you just mentioned that have a minus 23 goal differential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they're barely hanging on by a thread is exactly why I think, like, they just don't have it. Poor Ilya Sorokin is being left hung out to dry all game, every His game. His team they're leaves deep. the bench with a minute to go. Yeah, you know, getting right. pumped by Nashville. They just signed Patty Waugh, too, new head coach. You can sign Patrick Waugh all you want, but guess what? They're, it, 
they won, gonna his first, it, Chief. they won his first game, and now they're on a loss of three. Like, wow. What do you do now? Right? Like, there we go, Patrick Watt. They got they didn't get the bump. They didn't get the coach bump that the Oilers got. They didn't get the coach bump. Well, even Minnesota, they got a coach bump for a minute. Boom. Nor did Ottawa. Again. Firing yeah, DJ Ottawa. Smith. Like, they yeah, didn't. Ottawa keeping, what's his name? I don't even remember his name. Jack Martin. Mar- or Jack Martin, yeah. Keeping him is a terrible idea. Like, I don't know. I just think that the Islanders give Patrick Waugh next year. And that that's kind of thing. And that they, they get younger. Whoever is a UFA that's old, let them walk. Just let it happen. It's time. You guys need, like, Islanders need a, a semi-retool. Not a rebuild, but they have no they have no prospects. Think of all the draft picks that since we've been you know, growing up in our teenage years that they've had that haven't worked out. Michael Dalkel, Josh Hosang, um, Seth Griffin. Jeez, yeah, Seth Griff or Griffin Reinhardt. Griffin Reinhardt. Griffin Reinhardt. Yeah. Um, like they've just drafted and have all been busts other than Matt Barzell. Atiratti, like, if that name wasn't already yeah, they, mentioned, they traded him for Bo Horvat. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Right now, their their whole entire hope in their organization is Barzell, Horvat, Pellick, Pollock, Dobson, and, and Dobson, Dobson, and Sorokin. That like that's their six core. Everything else is a question mark. They don't have a goal scoring winger. They brought in Horvat, who's a center, to score goals for a center and Barzell. Like Anders Lee's not your guy, too, buddy. No, and you and I like Lee and I like Brock Nelson, but they're middle six forwards. Like, yes, they're they're great NHL players, but you need William Nylander on your top line with Matt Barzell. Like, they they need like honestly, you Islanders, you guys lost Tavares. If Steven Stamkos comes available in the offseason, you need to axe whoever you have to from your contracts and throw money at Steven Stamkos to come play right or left wing with Barzell or Horvat, like get a guy who can score 40 goals in there, you know, they need some, they need something. They need lots. They need their defense is again, one of the better young defense cores in the league, but they have a five-year stretch. Those guys are going to be good still same with Barzell and Horvat, but the rest of it, those guys are in their thirties. And it's just like, you guys have been, your core has been in their thirties for five years now. Going back to Leo Komarov, like they're still hanging on to Clutterbox, still hanging on to Martin, still hanging on to Sezikis. I love Casey Sezikis as a fourth-line center. But is he a fourth-line center in the NHL still? That's the question, other than playing with Clutterbuck and Martin, because they get walked on as a line. They used to be tough and hard to handle, and for the playoffs, sure, you want those guys. But if you don't get into the playoffs, they're three old guys who can't do anything but hit and fight. So, to me, the Islanders are going to stay out. They're not going to get in. I think the eight teams are solidified. Pittsburgh's too far back. New Jersey's too far back. Washington's too far back. And the Islanders are only one point ahead of them. So, what does that tell you? All right. It is Battle of the Tarps, gentlemen. We have our first NHL team that pulled up in our randomizer. NHL, Carolina, and their alternate Versus from the Ice Hockey League again, Salzburg, Red Bull, and their home. I'm extremely disappointed that our first NHL jersey is Carolina. And that it's an alternate. 
I'm disappointed it's against the league it's in. The ice? Like a, yeah, I'm, I'm just disappointed that the matchup is against yeah. an NHL team versus this league team, you know? Yeah. But, like, Carolina it's, it's, of all the years, they've had this low – this jer- so basically their home jersey for the last – two decades is now their third jersey because they have the they were the blacks with the two flags on it as their home. So now we're just looking at a Carolina Hurricane standard home jersey as our awesome NHL alternate jersey. And it's like if it was last year I I looked at their stadium series that was sick because it was like black with the the light or the highlighter red. Uh, basically reverse of what the Devils did. And that looked cool, but now we're just looking at a home jersey. And then we have Red Bull Salzburg. You know what? I, I think I'm going to pick, and I know this is about tarps, this is about jerseys, but I'm picking them for that helmet. Let's go with a white and blue checkered helmet. I'm loving it all day. Those guys, they're getting my vote. I like the five on the top right of the chest. I like that the captaincy looks cool on this guy. You know, Mazda, terrible car company, slap that on the pants. I like it. <laughs> That's some flavor. And I do, I do like underneath the Red Bulls, there's that. I don't know if you call it the Swiss Alps. I don't know what it is. Um, but it's a cool diagram underneath the Red Bull logo. And, yeah. I, mean, I, I, know, I know you called it the checker look, but I think they were going with the Red Bull energy drink can look. True. True. Because that is the Red Bull energy logo. And you know what? I'm going to pick it. I'm going to pick it for that reason. Yep. Carolina missed out. I dig that this team uses a energy drink logo and I dig that they made their helmets look exactly like the energy drink can. So I I'm going to go with this one too, boys. I I know that their logo itself is actually the Red Bull advertisement logo, but still this is one of the few jerseys we've come across in battle. The tarp segment, a European team that doesn't have too noisy of a Jersey with advertisements. I like this Jersey you guys basically spelled it out for me too. You got the simple Mazda. You got the simple Red Bull as the logo. And then you got the five and the C on each side. It's not too noisy. I like it. It's more simplified than what we're used to seeing. Exactly. And yeah, I just, I think that Carolina missed the mark. Like they could have done, cool, you guys changed your home jersey. That's fine. Go for it. But don't but just move on. Move jersey. on from yeah. your old jersey, man. Yeah, yeah. Don't just make that. You're reminiscing like it doesn't make any sense to me um but going on from there we have last week's winner which we voted as the pwhl's ottawa that won our um tarp vote of the week versus h or versus zk at or hkm's volan and then so now we have our this is going into our semifinal. so next episode is going to be our semifinal. it's going to have merit centennials versus the Winnipeg Freeze in our January semifinal. And then it's going to have uh, Ottawa PWHL versus the winner of this TARP battle, which will be up on all of our polls on social media. You can check it there and uh, either repost or like to vote. And you can vote for, we have Carolina Hurricanes alternate jerseys, which are their old homes, or the Ice Hockey League Salzburg Red Bulls home jerseys. Um, so I think that covers everything for episode 21 of Game Day Tarps. As always, find us on social media, find us on YouTube, and find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. 
And thanks for listening. Have a great night. And hopefully I'll be wearing this jersey next episode because hopefully this team beats the Ravens tomorrow. So go Chiefs, go. Go Chiefs. Go Ravens. You disgust me, Dallas. (laughs) All right. Have a good night, boys. Peace.